Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 131 of the Brown County Hour. This is Dave Seastrom. And Sarah Lytle, along with the rest of the crew. Our musical guest this month is Reuben Guthrie, and we'll hear three songs that he recorded in our studio. Along with Reuben, we have two other interviews, one with Cindy Steele and the other with artist Kurt Eagleman. We also have a collection of essays from Sarah Lytle, Jim Eagleman, and Dave Seastrom. Segment one begins with a conversation we had with Reuben Guthrie. Reuben is a resident of neighboring Columbus who plays in local venues and is a frequent guest at the open mic night at the Brown County Inn. We have an interview with local artist Kurt Eagleman who recently completed a mural on Honeysuckle Lane. And in a first for the show, he is also the son of regular contributor, Jim Eagleman. We'll close this segment with Reuben's version of John Prine's song, How Lucky. Reuben Guthrie. Howdy, Reuben. How we doing, Rick? Pretty good. Uh, Reuben has uh, come in frequently. He's done solo nights, too, at the Brown County Inn, but comes in frequently for the open mic nights, and you and your dad do a duo. Your dad used to play when he was younger, and kind of a rock band or something, wasn't it? Well, he's play, he played on and off over the years, uh, but actually for a big chunk of his life, he was playing acoustic like what you see him and I do yeah. together. And we do that. That's kind of our thing to do together, right. you know. Um, I don't think he's quite as interested in chasing around the gigs like I do. Right, right. <laughs> so how did that um, influence you and direct you and your decision to play and sing? Well, so... Um, Taking it all the way back, the first instrument I got, I took some piano lessons when I was a kid. The first, and I was always in like the band programs doing percussion stuff, actually. I played drums in jazz band in high school and stuff. And actually, drums are still my first language. I, that still, I mean, guitar oh, really? is very much a second language for me. Um, and when I was in high school, I had a band. Uh, we were called Those Valiants, and I was the drummer and lead singer of that band. Oh. And we were doing... Um, 
you know, wide range and as far as stuff as far back as like the Who and Zeppelin and Cream and stuff, but in more recent stuff like Foo Fighters, Kings of Leon, Queens of the Stone Age, like that sort of thing too. We sort of ran the gamut and we uh, won a local contest over in Columbus to where the prize was. We got to open for REO Speedwagon oh, wow. in uh, 2013. I was all of 19 years old Ooh. at the time. And Give uh, away your secret there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but but anyway, and so I had that band together for a few years, and my dad and I had always, you know, uh, played stuff together just because we both like working. Especially, I picked up guitar when I was like seventeen or something. It was kind of a, like an afterthought at that point. But you know, I've, after some time went by, then I started getting more serious about playing guitar and stuff. Because the one thing I learned is that it's hard to make money playing the drums. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I do, I mean, I, I would like to uh, play drums in a band again at some point. I still play, like, on my own volition. But uh, I started doing these solo acoustic gigs around, uh, shortly after uh, my dad and I started playing the open mic nights at Brown County Inn. And um, I started doing that, and I, at the time I was working as a substitute teacher, and then COVID hits, and both jobs go, you know, kaput. <laughs> Well, I did fairly well on my unemployment income at that point. And so then after that, the restaurants started having people come back in like to play and stuff. And my mm-hmm. model was always like, look, as long as you can keep me safe, I'm fine. You can, yeah. come, you can call me and I'll come do that. Then what I noticed, though, after playing, I only had like three places I played at the time. But I was making as good or better money just doing that than I was when I was substitute teaching. And I thought, well, yeah. why am I bossing around bratty kids all day uh, when I could actually make real money doing something I like. <laughs> yeah. And so that's when I thought, okay, well, I'll treat this like a regular job. And Albert's heard me say this before. Uh, you know, if I can average about 200 bucks a night and treat it like a regular job, like four or five nights a week, uh, then, you know, that, it comes out to yeah. roughly about it. Again, there's a lot of averaging involved in this yeah. math. But if I can make about $1,000 a week, you can do the math from there. I mean, there's help yeah. people working in factories all the time who'd like to make that much money, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, and so that's what I've been doing for the past year or so. Um, I have been I was working at it for some time before that, but it, it takes a little while to, you know, get yeah. the engine running, metaphorically speaking. And so, you know, I got I played probably about 180 dates somewhere in there last year. I'd have to oh, go really? back and actually count. Okay. I've got about that many, if not hopefully some more than that, coming up this year, too. I do so play in a band also. We're called Another Fine Mess. And we, uh, you know, it's me and a bunch of guys about twice my age for the most <laughs> part. But yeah. uh, they need a lead singer. And we have a good time doing that. We do covers of anything from, like, Aerosmith and Skinner and that far back all the way up to, like, you know, more yeah. modern alternative rock yeah. stuff. And then one day out of nowhere, I get an email from Albert Nolting, whose name I'd heard our families had known each other for some time and stuff. And I'd heard his name around Columbus, where we both live. And uh, he emails me going like, man, you know, you're, uh, um, you know, I see your name around all the time. I'm just curious to know what you do and if you ever want to work together sometime. And, of course, the, what I tease him about now in the present day, as I said, uh, I say he's the one with the music degree, and he's asking me how to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> True. And so, uh, but, uh, and, you know, so we've uh, we've done a handful of gigs together. In fact, we're playing together uh, here on the 28th. I realize this broadcast comes after, but uh, here on the 28th, we're playing at Country Heritage, oh. uh, six to nine together. And uh, we've got a few more things on the books. We're, uh, you know, we're looking for the optimal places for us to play, because as anyone who plays music 
knows, duo pricing is not great, sort of like band pricing. And so mm-hmm. we're always trying to find the exact right fit for what right. we're doing and stuff. Right. We've got a few irons in the fire there, and we're working on that. But we, we get together once a week, work on new stuff, because I learned this huge catalog of songs over the years. I'm sort of catching him up on some of that, and he's giving me new ideas to work mm-hmm. on as well. And so, you know. Well, if this is... Uh your business now what what is your daily habit i mean you like make sure you play an hour a day or so a typical because you know the words to like a thousand songs so, <laughs> so you just grab a song and then stick with it until it's in your brain or do you i mean it it, it feels a little more natural than that if i really like a song i just kind of get the motivation up and i learn it and depending on the song that depends how much detail, how much attention to detail point it depends on the song. Some songs I don't really need to, but other ones I feel like I, in fact, most of the stuff we played here was mm-hmm. stuff I had focused on the details more of. The one thing I've had to learn is I've had to learn to value the times I don't play because my fingers and my back, et cetera, will thank me for resting up while right. I can. Um, a typical week for me is I'm unlike most people. I work at nighttime <laughs> and I don't typically have gigs on Mondays. I think the Quaffon Poorhouse here is only like the second place I've ever heard of that offers a paid gig on a Monday night. Um, And that just started this year, like as in this month. But then weekends are big. Um, Yeah, but but typically on Monday nights I have band practice um, because that's the one night I'm almost guaranteed to not play anywhere. Tuesdays tend to be a little more hit or miss, but I do play every so often on Tuesdays. Wednesdays, I play about every other Wednesday or so, averaging about that. Thursdays, uh, I play. I play most Thursdays. I would say this year isn't quite so heavy, but last year I was playing almost every Thursday. Uh, and then, of course, I always play Friday and Saturday nights. I play a lot of Saturday afternoons, and I play quite a few Sunday afternoons too. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. usually Saturday nights, I try to save for band stuff. Yeah. Uh, with with Albert and I, it's just kind of wherever we can fit in. Yeah. We're not real concerned yeah. about a particular time slot. Yeah. You know. Well, do you have a way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, they can uh, email me at ruben.guthrie at yahoo.com. You can follow my Facebook page. It's Ruben Guthrie Music. Well, Ruben, we sure had a good time listening to you play, and Albert, and uh, enjoyed the interview, and we'll have to have you back sometime. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So it's my pleasure to introduce Kurt Eagleman, who is a Brown County artist uh, who has grown up here, and most recently he has completed a mural on Honeysuckle Lane, which is uh, the alley there behind Main Street, and uh, drove by it tonight. I see it every time I drive into town, but this time I took my time and really looked at it. Quite a colorful expression, and in fact, uh, you have it. The name of the piece, if that's the name of the piece, is Happiness in Color in Indiana. Well, welcome aboard, Kurt. Thank you for having me. So you're now spending time between New York City and Brown County. Correct. That seems like a bit of a juxtaposition. Uh, How's that going for you? You know, it's a nice change of pace. The city, although it's incredible and exciting and and big and loud and all those things it also does take a toll on you 
So having, it's all about the flexibility. My friend said that the secret of New York City is getting out of New York City and coming back because you feel rejuvenated and refreshed and excited to be back in the city. So coming back to Indiana, to Brown County, to Nashville is a perfect escape. And also I'm able to do things here that I am not able to do in the city. So well, I can imagine a few things that are a little bit different about Brown County than yes, New York City. Just a few, yeah. So tell me, how did this mural come about? So I heard about this. It's from a grant. It's from a grant from the IDDC, which is the Indiana Development uh, Destination Corporation. Okay. And it's essentially tourism for Indiana. And they were giving out grants for public art for murals and I found out about it through Jane Ellis at the visitor center um, at the time and she really encouraged me to apply and I needed a location for it so I went through town I tried to find which walls would be appropriate there aren't a lot of cinder block painted walls which is pretty much the ideal surface to paint a mural on because it's flat it's it doesn't have a lot of like corrugated lines or which is are a lot of the buildings in Nashville it has like the slotted wood panel sides so I went through trying to find ease of application for which walls would be appropriate and I had a few contenders and then I stumbled on the Mulberry Cottage and Ashley who runs it with her sister and her mom and her dad the Hayes family they I just kind of walked in one day and kind of picked their brains and asked them about it. And they thought about it for a while and together we decided to take it on and they were really, really excited about the project. Well, I have to say it's a vast improvement over the naked concrete block wall that previously (laughs) occupied the space. So yeah, it's, it's refreshing. It's bright. It's, it's cheerful, you know, especially this time of year. Yes. Yes. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So you were talking about wanting to establish a studio here in Brown County and kind of commute back and forth. Yeah. Studio space in New York is scarce. It's expensive and it's not what you would ideally have as a studio space. Um, Not a lot of windows. And if it is, it's incredibly expensive. So... I'm really trying to locate a studio space right here in town that I can kind of commit to my craft and my artwork and continue my career. So that's kind of the, my, my recent, what I'm trying to accomplish right now. So. Well, what would you say the focus of your art is? Um, that's really interesting. It, it does change. I started in interpretive or, um, uh, impressionist landscapes. That was kind of my first calling with art. And it's kind of evolved through the years. I've liked exploring uh, figure painting. I like using a lot of color. And I like to change uh, the different mediums that I use. So I like to kind of explore and um, experiment. Okay. And primarily focused on graphic art. Yeah, more like 2D art. I really want to, mostly two-dimensional art, but okay. I 
have an interest in like 3D sculpture. I want to play around with um, mixed media art, you know, applying different things. I really have a great interest in using recycled material because I think that would be or recycling material to make artwork from. Um, just using kind of what's around you to create something beautiful um, is another interest, something I'm exploring. But again, I, I'm kind of dying to delve into this as soon as I have a space to do it. So that's kind of, I feel a bit hung up until I can kind of have a space to create in. So, well, there you go. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you've kept your connections <laughs> to Brown County. Absolutely. And I, but you know, I'm going to guess, but there's probably not a whole lot of graphic artists in New York City that can say they come from Nashville, Indiana. And maybe that's a selling point for you. For sure. For sure. And Again, it's not really about, like, it, it's great that I have here to create in and kind of go back and forth to New York, but also pull inspiration from both places, sure. you know, and kind of take the learnings that I have from New York as far as design or um, art or color and bring it back here to the small town and apply it. I don't want to like change what we have here. I just kind of want to add to the beauty that we already sure. have. Sure. It's a, it's an ongoing process. Right. So do you have a website or a Facebook page? I do. I have my website, which is KurtEagleman.com. And my Instagram is Kurt Eagleman. Um, and you can follow me. You can check out some of my artwork. I update my website. I try to at least every now and then. Um, and then I put updates on my Instagram as well. So. Well, Kurt, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story, and we wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Please join us as we celebrate 30 years of WFHB radio broadcasting in an event we're calling Local Live Remote. This is a monthly series where we will be celebrating WFHB all year long. As the name implies, we'll be broadcasting live from the Brown County Inn on Wednesday, February 15th at 9 p.m. It's a party, and you're invited to come to the celebration. We'll be featuring the musical performances of The Hammer and The Hatchet and The Lowlanders. Join us in person on your radio dial or stream it live at wfhb.org. Albert Nolting. And I'm Reuben Guthrie. And this is John Prine. How lucky.
across my shoes and I hung from a rearview mirror. Cries admiration in the blind spot of regret. There was all these things that I don't think I remember. Hey, how lucky can one man get? We pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Support for WFHB comes from Our Brown County, a magazine for locals and visitors featuring art, entertainment, and county characters since 1995. Printed six times a year and available online. More at OurBrownCounty.com. Segment two starts off with our interview with Cindy Steele. Sarah Lytle has the next essay in her series, Coming to Our Senses, called The Skin You Are In. Chuck Wills and Hondo Thompson have a few words about the Brown County Playhouse, and we'll close with Reuben's rendition of the Gordon Lightfoot song, I'm Not Saying. This is Pam Rader, and I'm here with Rick Fedick, and Cindy Steele's our guest tonight. I'm really happy to see you and be able to interview you. Well, thank you. <laughs> glad to be here. Well, to me, you've always been a Renaissance woman. I've watched you reinvent yourself over some 25, 30 years. And uh, my first recollection or knowledge of you was with R. Brown County the magazine that you print. 
Right. We printed the first one April of 95, so it'll be 28 years in in April that we've been doing it. And you have interviewed so many people, and I remember one of our health nurses said she saved every single issue you ever printed. (laughs) Well, she's got a pile then. (laughs) Yes. What was your... uh, vision or impetus for... Why the heck did I yeah. do that? <laughs> well, um, I worked for uh, the newspaper group in Columbus, mm-hmm. and going to the other newspapers, I saw some really neat things that they were doing with their special publications, and I thought, man, I would really like to, you know, I've always liked to write and and thought it might really be a fun thing to do is to have a publication. So I sat down with some friends and we talked about the story of Brown County and how it really wasn't being told much except in books. And I read two books that told the story of the early art colony and the people from the city coming to Brown County falling in love with the natives, and just that whole story, just I became enamored with that. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat if I could talk about the artist today and yesterday, and then all the interesting people I knew. So it just kind of evolved from there. You've put together a good team of people some of them cross over with us, like Jim Eagleman. Right. And, yeah, and Bill Weaver, and yes. Yeah, Bill Weaver is uh, very much part of WFHB, helped put it together in the beginning. And he has been a friend since my college days. So we wow. go way back. And when I was looking for writers, we talked about what we could do with the magazine, and, the, and they had great ideas. And... Um, Bill was good friends with Joe Lee, who does the illustrations for us, and he's been terrific. He still is doing the illustrations for the magazine, mm-hmm. and we have a great relationship. So he does a coloring page and a lot of other things for me. So, Well, your love of Brown County went towards service, too, because you ran for Brown County uh, Council, and won and served. And my vivid memory of those days is you coming out of the old jail that had been condemned, holding <laughs> your nose. And, right. Yeah. That was, uh, I felt very strongly we needed to get rid of that thing. And fortunately, we did. So. Mm-hmm. But the reason I got into politics was really Hank Swain. And Hank was a writer for me for many years. And uh, he actually sponsored my leadership class and encouraged me to get involved with the community. So I jumped in. (laughs) (laughs) And then you jumped out of that and reinvented yourself with doing the Beta Teen Center, starting that. that. Yeah, that was 2011 we got that started. And that was... um, that was interesting, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a lot of creative people involved with the kids, and uh, I still run into a lot of those kids now, and mm-hmm. it's really it's nice to 
see how they've grown up. And Artists me. came and did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had some great summer camp type things going mm-hmm. on. Uh, one result of, of working on these projects with the teens is that uh, I learned how to do the glass mosaics. Yeah. Uh, Susan Threehawks gave us a little class on uh, we made signs one summer and and then I started doing the yeah that mosaics. was gonna segue right into you the next topic yeah. you as the artist yeah well and tell us about uh, that I painted um, quite a bit over the years and just never really could see myself could call myself an artist but I always had. A really strong interest in in art, and when I did the glass project, then I fell in love with art, with the the glass. Um, what I do is I rescue old tables and I I make them interesting by putting glass mosaic tops on them. And, and are they sold them. in town somewhere? Yeah, um, Spears Gallery mm-hmm. carries them for me. Yeah. Well, and not only are you an artist, a politician, a writer, but you're also a musician. Well, I wouldn't call myself a musician either. <laughs> well, maybe Rick would beg to differ. An aspiring musician. How about that? There, yeah. There yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We uh, Cindy hosts a. We call it a jam. But. There, there is. I started the jam in the midst of COVID, and it was our little bubble to begin with. You know, it was just a, a very small group that really wanted to play music but couldn't play music out. But we've been doing it two years now, I think. And uh, Otis Todd used to have a, a jam that I went to about, oh, close to 10 years and made a lot of music friends. Keenan Rainwater took me out to Otis's uh, one Thursday and I was hooked. I went for years and years and can't do what Otis was doing, but I was able to fix up my old barn that I hadn't used. I've lived there 30 years and never used the barn. David Denman gave me a, a wood stove so we can play all year and um, it's just really evolved. Now we've got some microphones so we can hear each other better. And it's, to me, it's all about the friendship. Yeah. Uh, it's more like more like a singer in the round kind of a thing, you know, where everybody takes their turn. And, and uh, if you can play along, you can play along. So you can jam. A lot of times people bring in songs that, that you Brand haven't new heard. Brand song you've yeah. never heard before. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a small group and sometimes it's a barn full. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, you just never know. But yeah. it was kind of that way at Otis's and just go with it. Mm-hmm. And whether it's just two people uh, by the wood stove or whether it's a whole room full there's still mm-hmm. a special thing and there's just a, a a level of intimacy with people that play music together you know yeah, you really that. do get to share something special with yeah. with each other so do you have an email or something you want to share our brown county has a facebook page and we have a helmsburg picking shed group it's a group and you can always go online to ourbrowncounty.com you can see current issues and we have archived stories mm-hmm. so you can look back and look at previous issues too okay and you could subscribe it's you can have it mailed to your house so mm-hmm. It's been a real pleasure talking to you tonight. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in. Yep, thanks a lot. Greetings. This is part three of Coming to Our Senses. 
the skin you are in. My focus this year is to explore aesthesia, perceiving with the senses, and this essay is about skin and the sense of touch. Babies who are not rocked, coddled, sung to, can experience a failure to thrive. They lose weight, withdraw, some even die. I believe we never outgrow that. It's a functional element of the skin to touch and be touched. It's easy to hear without being heard or smell without being smelled, but much harder to touch without being touched. Energy spirals in both directions. It's a wave, not a vacuum. Energy vibrates all around us and through us. Skin is the interface between our internal and external worlds. It envelops us and gives shape to our being. It wraps around muscle and bone, has its own folds and contours that change over time. Indeed, they do. Skin care is a billion-dollar industry, but self-care can cost very little. Abhyanga is an ancient Indian self-massage, a healing touch traditionally done before and not after a shower or bath, to slough off dead skin cells. It also stimulates energy through the tissues and communicates areas of imbalance or irritation. Often oils are used, sometimes a dry massage with silk or cotton gloves is prescribed. I learned about this as a patient educator from my family practice doctor, who is also director of Planned Parenthood of East Central Indiana. It was at this facility that I offered classes to young pregnant mothers teaching a massage technique that used a variety of light strokes. Not enough to create drag on the skin, but not so light to tickle. It's called Baby's First Massage and was developed by Teresa Ramsey, a registered nurse working in neonatal intensive care units of a hospital in Ohio. Designed to soothe and calm the sympathetic nervous system, reversing the fear-flight-startle reflex that compromised infants can get locked into. It resulted in newborns being released from the hospital two weeks earlier than those not receiving this massage. It also empowered the mother to communicate appropriate touch, a loving touch, something that some of them had never had, and uncover their ancient primal maternal instincts. These young mothers learned to sense the needs of their baby and to read the cues of overstimulation, to stop the massage and just rock, swaddle, or simply be, without touch, and hold the present moment with care. Skin is our largest sense organ. It registers temperature, texture, pressure, currents, and vibrations from water, air, electricity, and especially from other people. You can walk into a crowd or the presence of just one and tingle with good, good vibrations, or not. In a very wrong place, or with a very wrong person, or at just the very wrong time, the hair on the back of my neck stands up and all my senses come to attention and look out. Skin can flush the alarm of anger, embarrassment, or ecstasy. And a calm, appropriate, soothing touch can smooth your feathers right down. When a friend is in need of kindness, reach out, hold a hand, give a hug. You can't help but notice how loving touch goes both ways. What an amazing thing, the skin we are in. One of my favorite plays is The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, written by Jane Wagner, 
Lily Tomlin plays 12 characters. Trudy, a bag lady, takes space aliens to see their first play. Afterward, Trudy asked how they felt about it. Goosebumps, was the reply. You liked the play that much, she asked. They hadn't watched the play. They watched the audience. To see a group of strangers sitting in the dark laughing and crying at the same things, that just knocked them out. And of all the fun and interesting things they learned about people and Earth, their first goosebump experience is what they said they would take back to space and cherish the most. So give yourself a feel-good. Soak in a tub. Sit by a toasty fire. Wrap yourself in flannel or silk. Get massaged. Get rolfed. Get romanced. Get goosebumply and be comfortable with the skin you are in. This is Sarah Lytle, an aspiring aesthetic with the Brown County Hour and WFHB. Oh, hey, Hondo. Well, Jeff Wells, how are you? Oh, man, pretty good. But what are you doing here? I'm... Came downtown to go into the Playhouse. Oh, the Brown County Playhouse? The that's, historic Brown County Playhouse. That's weird. I've never been in there. You've never been in there? No. I mean, it doesn't look like much from the outside. Right? But it's amazing inside. I can't believe you've never seen it. Come on in. I want to show it to you. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Let's go in. Wow. Right? This is huge. It is. It's amazing. It is. There's a stage with a huge red curtain and a big audience that goes all the way around it. This is, most people don't know this is like this unless they've been inside here. Man, it looks like you could put 420 people in these seats. Almost exactly. That's incredible. Well, so what's going on? Well, the Playhouse has been here. I mean, they call it the historic Playhouse. It's been around for a long time, but there's just so many things that happen in here. Plays, of course, but there's movies that are played. There's concerts. There's comedy. There's a bar. This is your full-service uh, entertainment facility. So I can get drinks and watch a movie. You can get drinks and watch a movie. Lots of things coming up this winter. On February 17th, uh, comedy with Greg Hahn and Dave the King Wilson. I've, them. I've heard those guys on the radio. Yep, they're going to be here for sure. And then on February the 18th, one of my favorite Hoosier rockers, Henry Lee Summers, is going to be here. Oh my gosh, that takes me back a day. Right? Chuck, you like Mardi Gras? I love Mardi Gras. You like blues? I live for it. Well, we've got something special for you. Tuesday, February 21st, Fat Tuesday? Yeah. Tab Benoit and J.D. Simo. No way. Together? In, in this house. For Fat Tuesday? Uh-huh. I'm going to get my beads right now. Did I mention the bar is going to be open? Yeah, you did. <laughs> it's going to be an amazing night. Nice. People need to come down for that. Then on February 24th, music of John Denver with Chris Collins in Boulder Canyon. Nice. It's going to be a sing-along type thing. Oh, yep. If that's not enough, February 25th, Escape, the music of Journey. Love it. That's the kind of stuff that's going on here right away. That's Stay amazing. tuned. You really got to stay in touch with us, man. There's different things every month. So I'm going to get 400 of my closest friends and bring him to all those shows. You've got 400 friends? Well, on Facebook I do. Well, there you go. Tell them to come on down. We're going to have a great time. At the historic Brown County Playhouse in downtown Nashville, Indiana. Thanks, Hondo. Thank you. Good to see you, Chuck. You too, buddy. Okay, I'm Reuben Guthrie. I'm Albert Nolting. And this is Gordon Lightfoot's very first single from 1966. It's called I'm Not Saying." I'm not saying that I love you I'm not saying that I'll care If you love me 
I'm not saying that I'll care I'm not saying I'll be there when you want me I can't give my heart to you Or tell you that I'll sing your name up to the skies I can't lay the promise down That I'll always be around when you need me I may not be alone each time you see me Along the street or in a small cafe But still I won't deny you or mistreat you Baby, if you let me have my way I'm not saying I'll be sorry For all the things that I might say Make you cry I can't say I'll always do The things you want me to I'm not saying I'll be true But I'll try Each time you see me Or show up when I promised that I would But still I won't deny you or mistreat you Baby, if you love me like you should I'm not saying I'll be sorry For all the things that I might say Make you cry I can't say I'll always do the things you want me to I'm not saying I'll be true But I'll try I can't say I'll always do The things you want me to I'm not saying I'll be true But I'll try we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org. Support for the Brown County Hour comes from listeners like you and the support of the Brown County Inn, a family-friendly getaway destination located in Nashville, Indiana, offering locally sourced food, drinks, and live entertainment with banquet space, indoor-outdoor pool, miniature golf, and more. Information and booking available at browncountyinn.com. Our final segment starts with a Jim Eagleman essay, January Thaw, and Dave Seastrom shares his thoughts about winter garden dreaming. We'll conclude the show with the James Taylor song, Something in the Way She Moves, performed by Reuben Guthrie and Albert Knowlton. The test of severe cold weather behind us, we are now experiencing what might be called by some the January thaw. This warming spell has been a feature of Midwestern winters as long as I can remember as a kid. The temporary warming happened when school had resumed several weeks after Christmas break the melting temperatures ensuring our favorite sledding hill would take a hit. There'd be warm enough temperatures with no snow that school would stay in session, disappointingly, till maybe spring. 
It was also a time some friends whose parents tapped maple trees that they began hanging maple buckets. A bit premature. Then, without warning, the wind seemed to pick up overnight, and we trudged our way to school through a surprising snow that accumulated through the night. More snow, though. We were happy kids. This recent cold snap tested a lot of us on how to handle extreme cold. We watched the weather apps for advancing fronts, originating in this time all the way from northwestern Canada. Predictions warned of frigid temperatures and wind. After snow accumulations of maybe four to seven inches here in southern Indiana, more to the north. So we dragged out the winter boots, gloves, scarves, hats, checked the de-icer in the garage. Is there enough bird seed to get us through? bring in more wood, and generally become aware to conditions that we have no way of controlling. A white and very cold Christmas was in store, adding to the wonder of the season. Those of us who travel over the holidays think it's a crapshoot when to leave, before the snow and wind, or maybe during, in hopes the freezing rain that turns to ice will be after we arrive at our destination. When heading home, we left northern Wisconsin with the knowledge that snow removal trucks and sanders would be out all night. That state living with and knowing more how to handle snow. Yep, as we left early, state and county trucks, behemoths venturing down all roads with bright flashing lights, had cleared what snow had fallen overnight. We noticed for the first time since owning cars in college that frost appeared on the inside of our car windows. As we suspected, the further south we drove, the less snow trucks we saw on the interstate. The right lane, the only safe place to drive. States that don't live with constant snow with budgets for frequent storms, they reveal their unpreparedness. Picking up our son and friend coming through Chicago, and now with four drivers, we pressed on and got into Nashville about 11 p.m. one night. A hurrah cheered out as we coasted into the garage. We had gambled and won, lucky to be home safe, and yet wondering how the other drivers would handle the drifting snow. We watched the weather apps for what the next day would bring. Checking with friends the next morning, I learned just how well others handled the, quote, storm of the generation, as the media called it. Some related nothing to report other than a few car windows frozen shut. One neighbor said her muddy porch from recent construction would be easier to chip away now that the mud had frozen. Another friend who lives in an 80-year-old farmhouse had frozen pipes, the first time occurring since he lived there, he said, and then he saw why. An earlier construction remodel had exposed bathroom pipes inside the attic and a nearby uninsulated wall. My fault, he wrote in a text, lamenting that it never occurred to him that the severe winters he recalled 30 years ago would ever return. We then remarked this must be what they mean by Climate change, it could be warmer, it could be colder, but odd weather will be what to expect. Dropping nearly 50 degrees in one day, that seems more like a movie script. Now as I write this, we've returned to near 60 degree weather, the snow has disappeared, snow shovels are still propped up against the front porch, boots that cleared the mudroom have been not put away since it could get cold again, county snow removal equipment gets a break, city planners wonder where the next installment will come from for the road next round of salt and sand, and while it still gets dark into early afternoon, the winter solstice of December 23rd is behind us, and now the days slowly begin to lengthen. Our bird feeders are now full again, and since it has warmed, we no longer see the evening grosbeaks. Arriving at the onset of cold, they took over and emptied all our sunflower seed feeders. 
friends that feed birds weren't as lucky and aware of barometric pressures and advancing weather fronts much better than we are, the grosbeaks could be my indicator I watch for to say cold temps are on their way. I'll watch for them and let you know. Nature Rallings, I call these Brown County segments. I'm Jim Eagleman. Thanks for listening. This is Chris Curtin with a poem called Antelopes. Can an antelope? No, an ant cantaloupe. Ants adhere strictly to structure and form. Just up an elope would be out of the norm, and an excusable faux pas for ants everywhere to deplore. Hello, Brown County Hour listeners. This is Chuck, one of the producers of the show. You've probably noticed that our program is about folks like you, your friends and neighbors. We feature artists, musicians, poets, and local characters all doing the things that make this such an interesting community. If there's someone in your circle that you think should be on this show, why don't you reach out and let us know? We are always interested in talking to folks that may have content to share. While we are primarily a radio show, the audience for our podcast is growing quickly. And with that, we are looking for an additional digital editor. Do you enjoy the technical side of content creation, working with recording equipment and cool audio production software? Are you creative behind the mic and in the control booth? Hey, if that sounds like you, we should talk. For anyone that would like to join us in any of these ways, please reach out via our website or email us at studio at browncountyhour.com. This is the time of year to order garden seeds. And even though I currently purchase most of my seeds online, I still get a mountain of printed catalogs. It wasn't so long ago that I made all of my selections from seed catalogs by carefully writing down the product numbers and calling my order in. Honestly, I still do that with some of the companies. There's no question that it would be more environmentally sound if the seed companies did away with printed catalogs. When and if that ever happens, I'll be missing out on one of my favorite winter activities, garden dreaming. It's possible to do this online, but the visceral pleasure of reading plant descriptions while gazing at beautiful drawings or photographs of garden abundance just isn't the same experience on the computer. Turning the pages of a well-put-together catalog reminds me of the days when the Sears catalog would arrive in late summer, just in time for choosing school clothes and dreaming about what you might want for Christmas. The catalog found a prominent place in our bathroom, and everyone in the family spent time fantasizing about what they wanted. Forty-plus years ago, I asked my friend John Carter what he thought was the major achievement of the 20th century. John was born around 1900, and he'd seen the world transform from horse and buggy to walking on the moon. Without hesitation, he said, Sears Catalog. Not only did it give you something to dream about, but it was the best toilet paper we'd ever used. Then to emphasize his point, he said, have you ever wiped your behind with a corn cob? There's no doubt where the term rough as a cob came from, and all I can say is, Point well taken, John. The seed catalogs are arriving in great numbers. The time from planting seeds to harvest is duly noted, and a mental picture of when the various crops will be enjoyed is formed. 
As winter rages and the cold winds blow, my imagination fills with the anticipated goodness of fresh garden produce. As I turn the pages, I can almost taste the tomatoes and basil and dill. Seed catalogs encourage me to purchase too many seeds. I know this about myself, but I do it anyway. This has something to do with always wanting to try something new. And there's always something new that looks worth trying. Also, written descriptions of how a fruit or vegetable tastes invoke great curiosity but are often disappointing when the actual product is consumed. The ideal way to select a plant variety is from recommendations by friends who have actually grown and consumed a given plant. Any good enterprise starts with a plan. Some folks are more formal about this than I am, and they draw a map where all the various plants will go. I'm more of an informal gardener, and, but having said that, I always start with some kind of a plan. Long before the first forkful of soil is turned with a spade, I have a pretty good idea where the various crops will be planted. Mostly, this has to do with crop rotation and avoiding disease and insect invasion. Changing the location of the plants every year helps prevent colonies of crop-dependent bugs from establishing a permanent home and discourages the various wilts and viruses that spread from plant debris from one year to the next. Gardening is, after all, hard work, and you want to do everything you can to assure success. The one organic source for making compost that we have plenty of are the leaves that cover our yard and field every fall. When they're ground up by the lawnmower, piled high and left to rot, this makes what is known as leaf mold. When incorporated into the raised bed, this garden manna improves the structure of the soil and provides nutrients. Best of all, unlike animal manure, it doesn't have any weed seeds. Recently, I read about an interesting way to start seeds in milk jugs that are kept outside no matter how cold it gets. I have a few friends that believe winter sowing is a great way to get a jump on cold weather crops like salad, broccoli, and cabbage. In the always looking for something new category, I may just have to give this a try. Gardeners are optimists by nature. Not only do you have faith that the tiny seeds you sow will grow into garden abundance, somewhere in your consciousness you believe that this year will be the best garden ever. When this show airs, it will only be seven weeks until the spring equinox. And I'm thinking, it's definitely time to purchase seeds and get going on next year's garden. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. I'm Reuben Guthrie, and this is James Taylor, Something in the Way She Moves. There's something in the way she moves Looks my way and calls my name It seems to leave this troubled world behind if I'm feeling down and blue I'm troubled by some foolish game She always seems to make me change my mind And I feel fine in any time That she's around me now She's around me now Almost 
just all the time And if I'm well, you can tell that she's been with me now She's been with me now Quite a long, long time and I feel fine Every now and then the things I lean on lose their meaning and I find myself careening into places that I should not let me go. She has the power to go where no one else can find me. Yes, and decidedly remind me of the happiness and good times that I know. It's as if I just got to know it. It isn't what she's got to say. How she thinks and where she's been To me the words are nice The way they sound I like to hear them best that way It doesn't much matter what they mean She mostly says them just to calm me down And I feel fine any time that she's around me Almost all the time And if I'm well You can tell that she's been with me now She's been with me now Quite a long, long time Yes, and I feel fine Thanks for tuning in to episode 131 of the Brown County Hour. This show was recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. and anytime online. Be sure to look for us on your favorite streaming services. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe, now more than ever, the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Sarah Lytle, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour, coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.